0: Hello, and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry every week. I'm Nick Axelrod-Welk.
1: And I'm Annie Kriegbaum.
0: So on Friday's episode, we talked about everything ketamine, ketamine therapy, which is an emerging treatment for treating major depressive disorder. And we also talked about the ways in which ketamine has been misused at the hands of first responders, like in the case of Elijah McLean. In that episode, we spoke to Dr. Robert Meisner, who is the medical director of McLean Hospital's Ketamine Service and a clinical fellow in psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. So he basically did a better job than we could ever do, sort of laying out the complexities of ketamine and how it works in the treatment of depression, how it works differently than, you know, for example, SSRIs, and also how it can be misused. And uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, we suggest you pausing this one and going back and listening to that and then continuing on from here.
1: So on today's bonus episode, we wanted to give you the patient's perspective of ketamine therapy. So we have our friend Alexis Page on the podcast today. She's one of the most sought after product development people in the beauty industry. If you've ever used a Glossier, Mac, OHI, Pat McGrath product, Alexis probably touched it or invented it. And she had ketamine therapy about six months ago. And she's with us today to tell her story. So Nick and I had talked about ketamine therapy last year at some point. And then coincidentally, when we got dinner in like what November, October, November of last year? Yeah, November feels right. Had you just finished a round of ketamine therapy, or are you like were you in the midst of like your treatments? I think I had just finished, or maybe I had
2: one or two left um, because I started at the end of October. The initial program is six treatments spaced out like every other day. So, yeah, I think I was probably just finishing when I saw you.
0: What drove you to ketamine therapy?
2: I kind of just came to a place in October where I really felt like I was completely not on planet Earth. And I can't really, like, explain how it felt. And I think I've gone through different bouts of depression before. And I think I, in some way, come from, like, a generational line of, like, sad women, (laughs) And it's always been sort of part of me, and I'm really, like, comfortable with it. And I've always resented this idea that people think I'm, like, a sad girl or, like, an angry girl because I kind of like those things about myself. But in October of last year, it was a debilitating situation, which fully, like, paralyzed me from living my life.
0: Had you tried medication?
2: Yeah. So I had been on various forms of medication for like the past 20 years. So when I first, I moved to New York in 2000, I did not like living here the first year. I moved here for college. I felt really disconnected. All my friends were kind of going to, you know, big colleges and having like a fun experience, like all together. And I moved to New York city by myself and went to FIT, which is like, basically you just show up to class. It's not exactly like a traditional college experience. So I felt really isolated. I went back home, I think over the holidays, spoke to a doctor who told me that he believed i had social anxiety and put me on Paxil. So i was on Paxil all through college. Didn't think twice about it. I don't think that i liked it, but i don't think i didn't like it. I don't i didn't know and i didn't take control of like my own body, i guess. Went off of that, had a few th- different things happen over the years that like sort of led me back into dabbling with other types of antidepressants and anti-anxiety prescriptions and kind of took it with a grain of salt, tested a bunch of different things, sort of just came to the conclusion that like none of the things that I had tried really felt like they made a lasting and like monumental difference for me. Lamictal, Welbutrin, Lexapro I really didn't like, Xanax, all kinds of different things. And I just felt like even, and this was during seeing a previous therapist and also just seeing a psychiatrist and not having talk therapy. And I just felt like through all of these instances that nobody was like understanding what I was saying to them. And kind of the idea of going on prescription medication, I totally think is is real and like fine. I don't have a problem with it, but I felt like it is sort of a game of like roulette and you're just kind of like, testing different things and hoping something sticks. And there's no real, there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to like why some friends of mine have absolutely thrived on Lexapro and I felt like I was going to die. Like there's no, there didn't seem to be like a clear path to me feeling better. And also this idea of like hearing a lot of snap out of it, this idea of like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps that everybody goes through tough times, like totally get it. It just wasn't, I don't know, my body and my brain felt completely shut down in fall of last year. And while my therapist is very compassionate and very, very helpful, and I love her and treasure her dearly, I felt like I needed to, like, take matters into my own hands. And I just sort of started researching, like, alternative therapies. I'm super into, like, you know, at one point 10 years ago, I went to India and, like, was it an silent meditation ashram for two weeks. I'm like very into all that kind of like goopy type shit. And I'll sort of try anything once. And so I just found sort of this research about ketamine therapy. I literally Googled ketamine therapy, in New York city. I found three places. One was a clinic in Midtown. One was a program through Columbia and one was a clinic in the financial district. And I called all three of them. And only one of them answered my call because I realized that I was calling a doctor's office on a Saturday afternoon. And it like hadn't occurred to me that like these places are closed. And the place that did answer is the place that I ended up going. And so I made an appointment for the following, like I think in two weeks, I, it was my birthday. I got on a plane to go meet one of my best friends in Berlin, thinking that like this was my last ditch effort to like snap out of like a total debilitating depression, went to Berlin, cried for basically nine days straight, flew back here and like went to my first ketamine appointment. What was the first appointment like? As a disclaimer to this, I had all, I had done ketamine before in high school. I was a teenage raver and I did a lot of different kinds of drugs. And ketamine, my only association with it was that I remember doing it at raves, and it always felt like you were walking on pillows, like you couldn't, like, I never felt really messed up in the head, but I felt like I had no control over my body. So what I thought was like these huge steps that I was taking to like walk across a room was actually me just like walking normal. But the way that you disassociate from your own body, I thought seemed interesting. And also it's short lasting, which I like. I'm not interested in feeling out of control or feeling messed up for like hours at a time, so I felt like this sounded good. I went to the appointment. the doctor that started the clinic has been doing this for a really long time. I should I'll send you his information and his like website he's a he was an anesthesiologist, right yeah, he was an anesthesiologist had sort of a personal reason for starting the clinic. He had a son who suffered from depression and ended up committing suicide. And he sort of has decided to dedicate his life to this therapy for helping other people and other families avoid this kind of stuff. So the first thing that I noticed when I spoke to him is that I w- he spoke to me for like over an hour, which I thought was unusual because unless you're like paying a therapist, to be there for an hour session. Like, no doctor speaks to you for an hour about anything. And I just felt like he did not try and talk me out of how I was feeling. He didn't try to negotiate my feelings or justify different reasons why I might be feeling like this or tell me things like I have a lot to be grateful for. I totally understand that I have a lot to be grateful for. I am very grateful for my life and the things that I have and the things that I've done and accomplished and my friends but that, and family unfortunately,
0: is not how mental health works.
2: Exactly. So like no one had really told me that before. And also there is a sense of like shame, not that like I feel embarrassed, but a sense of shame in being like, I do have a lot to be grateful for. And why am I complaining? Like, how dare I? There are people whose lives are worse than mine. And there are people that have nothing. And I'm sitting here a single 30-something-year-old woman living in her own apartment in Manhattan with, like, a great job and great friends and all this stuff to be happy about, and I'm, like, crying on a plane. Like, it's—it made me feel really lame and really, like, pathetic. Something else that also sold me that he said to me was how a lot of mental health stuff gets lumped into, like, depression, and that's such a wide category that also, like, society has kind of, like— Felt like has lost meaning because now everyone is like, I'm depressed. And it's such a casual and like cavalier way to speak about feelings. When most people that are having the sorts of feelings that I was having, he would put more in a class of like a PTSD, but no one really says that because people associate PTSD with like vets and like assaults or like traumatic, traumatic life situations. And how sort of PTSD doesn't have to be like the world's biggest thing that can happen to you it can happen from small things in your childhood and these kinds of like this idea of like benign neglect that like can now I'm really going off on a tangent that can manifest as these sort of like little traumas in your brain that like build up over the years so ketamine is really spot on for that kind of issue and referring to my Sort of feelings as PTSD is not something that I would have ever thought about in my entire life. So then basically he explained how it goes and you're in a doctor's office. Like it's very like set and professional and there's a whole like regimen and rules. And it felt like any other time that you go to a doctor's office. It didn't feel some like weird. I think that people think it's like some weird like hippie ayahuasca like shaman journey. And I'm sure that maybe there are versions of it that is, but like this wasn't at all. So the dose that they started me on was 35 milligrams. They take your blood pressure a million times. They give you like a little blood oxygen monitor. They put the needle in your arm and they like leave you alone. And then you just kind of like hang out in like a reclining dentist chair and you like see how it goes. And how do you feel? I didn't really feel anything. I felt like, the first time, I felt nothing. They make you sign a a waiver that says you're not going to drive a car that day, and also to not make any big financial decisions that day, which I thought was really funny. It wasn't like when you were taking it when you were younger. No, I didn't feel high. I found it to be interesting during sort of the initial meeting with him that, He was like, look, you're going to know after like two sessions, by the third session, you will know if by the third session you feel no different whatsoever and no relief from this sort of stuff that is going on in your brain, then we recommend that you don't come back because it's like a waste of your time and money to do this because you'll know right away. So you go in there the first day. How long are you in the chair for? I think, like, in total, I was in the chair for, like, an hour and a half. Oh, wow. It took, like, an hour for the IV to kind of drain out. And then they you just kind of, like, chill for a little bit. And when you get up, like, you can feel a little bit dizzy, like, slightly Mm -hmm. disoriented, not in a scary way, but just in a way, like, you need to, like, hang out and rest for a minute before, like, going back
1: onto the street. And then did you come back? You said you came back every other day for two weeks, or what was the schedule like? Yeah, so it's six treatments
2: every other day to start and then how he explained it to me at the time was like after these six treatments they found that that's kind of where you plateau so like at the beginning you go up you go up you go up you feel better with every treatment and then after the sixth one you sort of plateau and it turns into kind of like like then you rest and you come in for like booster shots is what he called them when you feel like maybe you're like slipping back down again. So after the first six treatments, I felt like a completely different person. And did you know like by the second or third? Yeah. After the second time, I remember very specifically like getting on a bus to go back home and texting my friend who'd sort of been keeping tabs on me through this journey and me being like, I feel like there's like a, like my head opened up and she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I just feel like, I had left and my head felt like opened, like it had like cleared out of like, like a heavy gunk that felt like was sitting inside of my body. Like I felt open in a different way. I didn't feel happy or thrilled or whatever. I just felt like something shifted that felt very, I was able to feel light in a way that I hadn't felt in like a really, really, really long time.
0: Like Drano?
2: Yeah, it did feel like that is a great analogy. It did feel like Drano, like I had been walking around with this sort of like heaviness and this cloud over my head and this like junk in my body that was like prohibited, like sludge that I couldn't like move clearly through. And after the second treatment, after the first treatment, I felt nothing. I went home and like laid back down. I felt the same. After the second treatment... I didn't feel any sort of miraculous, like, thoughts changing. But I did feel like that heaviness had been, like, lifted in a way. And I just felt lighter.
0: Did it get successively more open? Or, like, did it fill with happier thoughts? Or how do, how does the progression work through the six sessions?
2: I feel like the big thing was that, like, for me, is that I would get stuck on... I would get stuck on stuff, like stuck on thoughts of if I'd had a bad day, if something like someone said something to me or someone looked at me the wrong way or so I would like obsess over these sort of like negative ideas that I had about myself in my head. And I felt like through the treatment, the only true thing that I really noticed is that like I could move on from that stuff way easier. So like if I had a situation with a friend and a conversation that didn't go the way I wanted it to, I would like, I would still think about it, but it like washed over me and I was continued on my way instead of getting completely dragged down into this like abyss of worry, anxiety, self-loathing, depression stuff. I was able to like have those thoughts carry on with my day in a way that I hadn't been able to before and just this general sense of lightness that allowed me to like live life on life's terms and not feel like I was so disconnected from like the rest of the planet
0: so after six sessions what happened like what is the treatment plan after that
2: he was like you'll know like basically like you know how you're feeling better than anyone so like you'll know the difference between like just having like a crazy day versus feeling like you're going back into how you've been feeling. So like when that happens, call us and like come in I'm like, okay. So I feel like my first booster shot was like two and a half weeks, three weeks after the initial six ended. So I went for like basically three weeks and then started to feel that same sense of being like, can't leave my house can't motivate to do much of anything and felt like I needed to sort of like nip it in the bud. And so I went back, I think in total from like October until now I've had nine total.
0: And do you feel like they're lasting longer with each successive treatment or is it about, it's about the same?
2: His thing was like, you go for the first six, then you go for these booster shots as needed and I was like, how long do I have to go for these booster shots? Like the rest of my life. And he was like, no, typically we see people the first six times. Then we see them maybe once a month for a little bit after that. And then we never see them again. And that's just like it. And your body, like in your brain, sort of it rewires you and you kind of like heal yourself. And then there's no need to keep going in. So I haven't felt the need to go in. I thought about it the other day, actually, because I thought, there's a lot going on. And do I just want to like zone out for a bit and decided I I didn't feel that I needed to. And there's just like a very big difference between how I felt then and felt now. Like I don't, I wouldn't go running in there for a treatment now. Are you still doing talk therapy? I've taken a little break during the past few months because I'm not working my normal job. And so I'm trying to just sort of cut back on expenses. But I check in with her like every few weeks just to like chat. And I plan on seeing her again. When I told her that I wanted to do it, she wasn't super familiar with it. She didn't really, I feel like, like all great therapists. She didn't like really tell me what I should or should not be doing. I just was sort of excited about it. And I felt like, why not try something? And she was like supportive of me trying it. And I told her about the experience and I mean, she's noticed a total change in me, too. So I feel like that in conjunction with it felt important. I'm not sure you totally need to do both. Ketamine felt like it condensed years of work into like a short span of
1: time. Did your insurance cover any of the ketamine therapy? And if not, how much were you spending on it? My insurance um, sucks. I'm not sure what I get out of it. It
2: doesn't cover my regular talk therapy or my ketamine therapy. It's $4.50 a session, which feels totally outrageous. And I consider myself to be like a very frugal person. So that kind of commitment felt like a huge, huge, huge deal to me. And then when I thought about how much money... I would be spending on like years of regular therapy and also like how much money I'm losing by not living my life and taking jobs that I should take that I kind of feel like I can't because I can't be bothered to deal with new people. The sort of like mood that I was in at the time felt like it just felt like it was worth it. And for like the first time I was like investing in myself or like whatever you want to call it, it just felt like a huge expense, but also... I liked the doctor's vibe and I just like trusted him from the beginning. And I just felt like something in me just was like, this feels like it's like my thing. This just like feels like it's my thing. It makes sense to me. What he's saying to me sounds exactly like how I feel. And if it doesn't work, I'll know soon enough and I can like make a decision then. But it just felt like the right money to spend at the time. I think that like anyone who goes through mental health stuff kind of feels the same way. Like they somehow feel like they're the only people that are feeling these feelings and that no one like understands them and that nobody can help them. And that it's just like a big sea of options, but like there's not one right thing for everyone. So, I mean, I think there's like a lot more stuff coming out about it now, but it does feel like it's the next big thing and like the next wave of like mental health treatment and that hopefully it will be accessible to more people and insurance will catch on and different doctors will catch on and it won't be this weird like underground thing where I'm just like left to my own devices, like Googling in the middle of the night.
0: So we talked to the head of Harvard and McLean hospitals ketamine therapy program. And he was saying that like every day, like new insurance companies are starting to like acknowledge and like accept ketamine therapy as like a traditional medical procedure. And those are small victories, but like amounting to something bigger So there is, I think, hope in the near future that, like, it will be covered and more accessible. I think, you know, mental health treatment in general is something that is not equitably distributed.
2: Yeah, I mean, if I think about, you know, the money that it costs for me to have done this whole process over the course of a few months versus the money it costs to continue going to doctors, continue paying for prescriptions, this sort of, like, cycle of... And I think this is true in all kinds of different things, with drug addiction and with all kinds of different things. I mean, I think that, like, not to get too, like, weird and, like, big pharma, but, like, why would insurance companies want people to stop taking pills for the rest of their lives? Like, they wouldn't. So I have hope that, like, it will be a thing, but it feels like it's going to be, like, slow moving. When I was doing the research on the three places that I found in New York City, they were kind of around the same. So like mine was 450. I think the other one was 350 or 375. They never called me back. And Columbia was 650, which I actually think is highway robbery, and they never called me back either. So I felt like I just the first step was like someone who I felt like was listening to me, and that was New York Academy that I went to. And the second step was like, okay, everything seems to be around this price point. Insurance isn't covering it whether I want them to or not. Like is this something that I feel like I should be investing in now. And I felt like it was right at the time.
0: So that's it for today's bonus episode of eyewitness beauty. Thank you to Alexis page for sharing her story and thank you guys for listening. We're gonna be dropping bonus episodes occasionally at our discretion because it's our podcast. But we will make sure to let you know on social, so make sure to follow us there.
1: You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty or write us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com.
0: Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our art is by Simon Abronowitz, and our theme music is by Danny Prezant.
1: Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with a regular episode this Friday, so we will talk to you then.
0: Bye.